Thank you for tuning into sermons from Liberty Baptist Church in Newport Beach, California. Our goal is to help you know God more and take the next step in your spiritual journey, no matter where you're at. If you have questions about God or about Liberty, you can connect with us at libertybaptistchurch.org. We pray that the Lord will use this message to be a help and encouragement in your life. Good evening, church family. Good evening. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in the book of Ephesians in chapter 5 tonight. Ephesians chapter 5. Ephesians 5. I'll be leading you through a few different verses in this chapter. So when you find your place, you can just stay there. Ephesians chapter 5. How many of you have ever walked into a room, say at your house, you walked into your room and as soon as you got into your room, you forgot why you were there. You forgot why you were there. That ever happened to you? If that has happened to you, don't worry, it's happened to all of us. It's happened to me several times. In fact, it happened to me the other day. I was at my mom's house, and I I was on my way to my room. I was walking to my room with the intention I was going to grab something from my room. And for whatever reason, when I was on my way to the room, my mind got preoccupied. I got into conversation with my brother in the hallway. We talked for a couple minutes. And then when I had finally got to my room, I thought to myself, wait, why am I here again? Life sometimes feels like this a bit, right? We're on this journey, and we're all walking down this path. And then before you know it, we're stuck wondering to ourselves, wait, where am I headed? Why am I here? Our walk of life. We're all walking down this path called life. We don't always know where it leads. We don't always know why we're on this path. You know, it's interesting, as I was reading through the book of Ephesians, Paul really seems to emphasize this word walk. In fact, he mentions it, uh, seven times in this book, and there's only six chapters. And he, he, he pictures the Christian life with the word walk. Your walk pictures your life, the way that you live your life, your conduct, your behavior. And he uses this word seven times. In Ephesians 2, Paul says, in times past, ye walked according to the course of this world. What was he saying? Before we knew Christ, we were walking, we were living after the manner of this world. He said again in in Ephesians 4, I testify that ye walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. What was Paul saying? If you are a believer, you shouldn't walk like an unbeliever. If you're a believer, you shouldn't think like an unbeliever. Again in Ephesians 4, Paul says, I beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. Paul's saying if you have been called by Christ, you should walk like it. You should live like it. Paul keeps calling attention to our walk. Now, if you've read in Ephesians 5, the word walk really seems to jump out the pages, as it's mentioned three times in this chapter. Paul begins to answer this question, how should I walk? How should I walk? Church family, if you can help me, let's break it down tonight. In verse 2, Paul says, and walk in love. That's how we should walk. Paul says, walk in love. In Ephesians 5, verse 8, Paul says, for ye were sometimes darkness, but now are ye light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. Walk in love. Walk in light. In Ephesians 5, verse 15, and this is going to be the focal point of our study tonight. How should we walk? See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, 
but as wise. You see the pattern? Paul's giving us practical insights on how to walk in wisdom. For the purpose of our message tonight, we're going to be studying verses 15 through 21, and I've titled my message this, Walking in Wisdom. Walking in Wisdom. So the main point of my message tonight is actually going to be on the evidence of walking in wisdom. So when we walk in wisdom, this is what's going to happen. But before I can get to that, first we have to, first we have to establish what walking in wisdom means. Like, what does it mean to walk in wisdom? First, let's define wisdom. Wisdom, I w- okay, so let's make a distinction first between wisdom and knowledge. Knowledge is, is, is having an understanding of something, right? Information. Wisdom is the application of knowledge. Wisdom is applying truth to your life, right? I heard Pastor once say it, say it like this, and I liked it. He said, um, knowledge is understanding that tomato is a fruit. Wisdom is not putting tomato in your fruit salad, right? It's, it's the application of knowledge. You're living out the knowledge, the truth that you know. That is wisdom. But how can I walk in this wisdom? This idea of walking in wisdom starts with being an imitator of God with being an imitator of God. We just read in Ephesians 5, Paul said, walk in love, walk in light, walk wisely. But how am I supposed to do that? Church family, look with me in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Ephesians 5, 1. Paul says, be ye therefore followers of God, comma, as dear children. Please pay attention to the grammar in this verse. I know not all of us loved English in high school, but... Paul says, be ye followers of God, comma, as dear children. What was he saying? We should sincerely desire to follow God just as a child sincerely follows his parents. I think it's safe to say that it's a pretty common sentiment for a child to want to be like their father. I realize that everyone's experience is different, and I believe that your father's involvement in your life plays a huge role in this. If you grew up in a home where your dad was present, where your dad was involved in your life, where he loved you, he was there for you, it's very likely that growing up you wanted to be just like your dad. I remember for me, I always had this impression that my dad was invincible, that he could do no wrong. I I thought to my, when I was six years old, a young kid, I was like, man, my dad could do anything. You ever joked around with other kids, you're like, man, my dad could beat up your dad, you know? You ever joked around, like, I thought my dad could do anything. It did help that my, my, my dad was very involved in my life. He put me and all my siblings into sports. And uh, ever since I was like six, five years old, uh, we had this cycle of, of uh, football into baseball into basketball, constantly in a cycle. And I remember as busy as my dad was, he always made it a point to come to our games, right? And to a child, that means a lot. One of my greatest desires was to bring my father joy. I remember if I would make a good, uh, a pl- good play in the game, I would look over to the sideline if I could just see my dad smile, you know? One of the best feelings for me was after, I made, after we won the game, I'd come up to my dad and he would pat me on the back and say, you did a good job, son. You did well. boy. I remember thinking to myself at a young age, man, I want to be just like my dad. It's an interesting parallel, but I think Paul was on to something because as we desire to follow God, as we desire to imitate our heavenly father, that is when we begin to understand how to walk in wisdom. As we desire to follow God, to want to be just like him, to imitate our heavenly father, that is when we begin to understand how to walk in wisdom. Why? Because God is the source of wisdom. Because God is the source of wisdom. 
As I was reading this book, Ephesians, in preparation for tonight, I came across Ephesians 1, verse 17. And Paul said this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ may give unto you the spirit of wisdom. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you. It is God who is the source of wisdom. It's God who is the giver of wisdom. Guys, this, this heavenly wisdom is not something natural to us. It's not something natural to us. It's something that only God can impart to us. And I want to be clear in distinguishing between heavenly wisdom and earthly wisdom. The Bible says in James, the wisdom that is from above, it's first pure, then peaceable, gentle, easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. But the wisdom that is from this earth, it's earthly, it's sensual, it's devilish. The wisdom that I'm talking about today is this heavenly wisdom that could only come from God. When I was younger, I used to think, man, that the gray head made wisdom. I used to think that when I got older, I would eventually get wisdom. Um, once my hair turned gray, now I, I realize that life experiences do play an impact on this. But wisdom's not only for the aged. So if you're in here today and you're a young person in elementary, you're not suddenly going to become wise when you become a teenager. If you're a teenager today, you're not suddenly going to become wise when you go to college. If you're a young adult in here today, you're not suddenly going to become wise when you get married. Wisdom is something that only God can give to you. It's something that only God can impart to you. God is the source of wisdom. He's the giver of wisdom. James says, if any of you lack wisdom, what must we do? Let him ask of God. That giveth to all men liberally and abradeth not, and it shall be given unto him. God is the source of wisdom. God is the giver of wisdom. Let's turn our attention now, church family, to our passage in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15. Verse 15. Paul says, See then that ye walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. That word circumspectly, it means being mindful. It carries this idea of looking ahead, right? Uh, it, it carries this idea of walking very cautiously with watchfulness every way, with attention to guard against danger, to guard against surprise, right? You can kind of almost picture a soldier in your mind, right? A soldier, one who is on guard, he's on high alert. Um, he's careful with each and every step that he takes while out on the battlefield because he doesn't know what kind of danger lies ahead. The Bible often pictures the Christian life as a spiritual warfare. We're basically spiritual soldiers in God's army. We're in this constant battle against the world, the flesh, and the devil. And we must learn to walk circumspectly, to walk carefully in this life, to look ahead, right? Careful in how we live, careful in how we walk. Walking in wisdom. Now to the main point of our message tonight, I want to talk about the evidence of walking in wisdom. Like when you walk in wisdom, this is what happens. Firstly, very simply, you will learn how to redeem the time. Redeem the time. Verse 16. Bible says, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. That word redeem, if you define it, it carries this idea of to buy up at the marketplace. Interesting, right? Redeem, to buy up at the marketplace. It's almost as though Paul's treating our time as a commodity. What he's saying is that you can use time as a commodity. You can spend it, right? You can spend your time wisely, investing it into things that matter. You can also spend your time foolishly wasting it, right? Or you waste it on things you probably shouldn't do. I was thinking of a way I'd illustrate it like this. And usually when we think of the word redeem, we probably think of like coupons, right? 
Okay, so say you had a $150 coupon to uh, Ruth Chris Steakhouse. You ever heard of that? It's a four or five star restaurant, Steakhouse, one of my favorites. All right, so it, I don't know if this has ever happened. It, it probably has never happened, right? It's a $150 coupon that you can redeem, um, but it has to be used by December 1st. If you go to Ruth Chris before December 1st and you spend that $150, you will have redeemed that coupon. You will have made the most out of it. You will have used it to the fullest. But say you didn't use that coupon, but you walked into Ruth Chris on December 2nd, right? You sat down, you got a table for two, you enjoyed a porterhouse steak, medium well, right, with appetizers, you ate real good, and then the, the waitress comes and she scans your coupon, she says, uh, sir, this is invalid, right? This, because you did not redeem the coupon, it has become a waste. It's become a waste. It's the same thing with our time. There's no guarantee when our last moment on earth is. If we aren't redeeming the time, then we are in a sense wasting it. I think this was the heart behind the psalmist when he said, Lord, teach me to number my days so that I can apply my heart to wisdom. Teach me to number my days. Lord, I don't know how long I have left on this earth, but I want my time to have meaning. I don't want to waste the time that you've given me, God. I'm sure some of us maybe feel this way after a long Thanksgiving break, right? We just had a, we just had a whole week off from school, right? If you're, if you're here from uh, NCS, you just had a whole week off from school. Or maybe you had some days off of work, right? And now we got to go back tomorrow? Like, where did the time go, right? Where did the time go? How did you spend your time this week, church family? Did you spend it wisely? Investing it into your family and friends? Strengthening the relationships that you have? Did you get alone with God this week? Or did you waste your time on foolish pleasures? I remember in second grade, it's funny, so I went to public school uh, when I was in elementary, all the way from, from kindergarten all the way to fifth grade. And uh, I remember all of my teachers' names. Uh, I, I, uh, sadly, I don't remember much of what they taught, but I remember all of their names, right? And I don't even have much of a relationship anymore, all right? But there, I remember specifically, though, from my second grade teacher, uh, the kind of posters that she would have on the wall, right? Because you go into class every day and you see the same posters. I remember specifically my second grade teacher, she used to have this poster. Maybe you had one similar to it, but it says, one thing that you can't recycle is wasted time. One thing you can't recycle is wasted time. I was thinking about this, but how we use our time actually has a lot to say about us. How we use our free time especially has a lot to say about us. I heard it said like this one time, time is our most precious commodity, and yet most of us live as if we have all the time in the world. Time is our most precious commodity, and yet we live like we have all the time in the world. Wisdom will cause you to make the most out of your time. Foolishness, you will waste your time. You'll waste your time. So walking in wisdom then, church family, comes with this intentional living, this careful living. What are you doing with the time that God has given you? Make the most of the opportunities in your life. Whatever season of life that you're in right now, make the most of that season of life. Whatever God-given opportunities that you have, redeem the time, as Paul says, because the days are evil. Wisdom leads to productivity. We all have 24 hours in one day, right? The same amount of time. I don't have any less than you. You don't have any more than me. But wisdom will lead you to increased productiveness, increased effectiveness in your day. Uh, Solomon said it like this in Proverbs chapter 3. He said, um, my son, 
forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments. What he was saying is if you apply wisdom to your life, this is what's going to happen. Length of days and long life and peace shall they add to thee. Sometimes when we think of that verse, we think, oh, God's, our, our lifespan will increase, right? But I think also Solomon was saying, if you apply your heart to wisdom, your literal days will lengthen. Your, your time will be more productive. You will become more effective, especially for the kingdom of God. Application of knowledge, that is what wisdom is, church family. In contrast, I would say foolishness will cause us to waste our time. And let's be honest, when we're wasting our time, now we get, at least I do, I get super stressed out. Anybody attest to that? You just get super stressed out. And it's hard to have joy when you're constantly stressed out or when you're making foolish decisions. So I would say an antidote then to being stressed out, redeem the time. Redeem the time. Secondly, an evidence of walking in wisdom is understanding the will of God. Understanding God's will. Let's read verse 17 in our text. Paul says, Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You ever wonder what the will of God is? You ever wonder what God's will for your life is? The first question I thought from this verse was, what's God's will, right? He's saying, don't be unwise, but understand. So there's wisdom in understanding God's will for my life. Well, what is God's will for my life? You know what I found to be true in my own life? Sometimes I spend so much time stressing about God's unrevealed will, those things that I don't know. In other words, um, what I should have done after high school, those, what I'm supposed to do after college. For me, it was, it was, am I supposed to step out in ministry? If that's the case, which ministry am I supposed to go to? Who am I supposed to marry? What, God, what do you want me to do with my life? What am I supposed to do? In, what, what, should I, what should I choose to do in this serious situation? That is God's unrevealed will. These are the things of the future that we don't necessarily know right now. Have you ever been inside of a really dark cave? I'm talking like a, a cave so dark that you can't even see your hand in front of your face. And you have. Um, if you have been in that situation, it's, very, it's natural for you to want to search for light. You're going to search for something to illuminate the path before you. The Christian life can sometimes feel like this. We're in this dark cave, and we don't really know where we're headed or what God's doing in our life. What happens to us many times is we begin to search frantically for the light at the end of the tunnel. If I can just know who I'm supposed to marry, if I can just know what I'm supposed to do in this serious situation, God, if I can just know what I'm supposed to do uh, after college, if I can just know what you want me to do with my life. But you know what I found to be true as I read the Word of God? It says God's Word simply, it's a lamp into our feet and a light into our path. We don't have to search for the light at the end of the tunnel when the Word of God simply illuminates our next step to take in this life. And sometimes that's all God gives to us, the next step to take. And I believe as you follow His revealed will, of, His revealed will, which is the Word of God, that in His timing He will reveal to you that which you do not know. His unrevealed will. The revealed will of God is His Word. The unrevealed will of God is marriage, my future job, college, major decisions. The reality is this. I don't know what my life is going to look like in five to ten years, but I do know what God's will for me today is, and every day until then. 
just in a practical way, I just want to share a few things that I found in the Word just from God's revealed will, what He has revealed to us in His Word. Very simply, firstly, I would say salvation. 2 Peter 3.9 says, God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance, right? That was the whole purpose that Christ came to earth. He came so that he could die for us in our place, so that we could have salvation, so that we could have life. That is God's will for you today. If you have not received Christ as your Savior, his will for you is that you would be saved. Salvation. God loved you so much that he made salvation possible for you by dying on the cross for you. That is God's will for you today, if you have not received him. I would say secondly, and Pastor talked about this earlier today, sanctification. The Bible literally says in 1 Thessalonians 4, 3, for this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that you should abstain from fornication, right? This, what God desires to do with your life after you have been saved, he wants to make you holy, so he wants to set you apart for his use. And I would say thirdly, God's revealed will for you is transformation. Amen. Transformation. Romans 12, 2, and be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. That's his will for you today, is that you would be transformed, that he would renew your mind, make you a new creature. Walking in wisdom includes understanding the truth in God's word and simply following that. And I would say lastly today, a third evidence of walking in wisdom is surrendering to the Holy Spirit. Surrendering to the Holy Spirit. If you have your Bibles, let's look at verse 18. Paul says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Let's observe the first half of that verse. Paul says, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess. When we typically think of the word excess, we think of overabundance, right? Having more than what you should. And I believe that's true. But if you define the word excess, it, it, it comes from this Greek word asotia, and actually carries this idea of abandonment. So this is what Paul's saying. He's saying, don't be drunken with wine, wherein is abandonment, to the point where you catch this, lose control to where you lose control. Paul's saying you shouldn't overindulge in something to the point where you surrender control to that, to whatever it is. Sure, I can hammer on this point and really emphasize you shouldn't be drunken with wine, but in reality, we can easily get drunk in the flesh. There are many things that we can overindulge in. You can even take a good thing that God has given you and take it to the point of excess where you've had too much of it, right? Notice the contrast that Paul makes though. He's saying, instead of being drunk with wine, be filled with the Holy Spirit. What is he saying? Instead of losing control to the flesh, be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In other words, surrender to the Holy Spirit of God and let him lead your life. Surrender control. That is what Paul is saying. When we got saved, the Bible says we were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. At that time, we got all the Holy Spirit we will ever get. The question each day for us now is how much of us will the Holy Spirit get? Will you surrender to the Holy Spirit? Or are you still living in this? Are you still walking after the flesh? That's why Jesus said, walk in the Spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And lastly, I want, I want to share, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, there are a few things that take place. And the first one I see in verse 19 is we begin to think on the right things. 
begin to think on the right things. Let's read verse 19. Paul says, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. I realize that, that uh, not everyone in here sings, right? Or at least some of us don't like singing in front of people. But I know a lot of you probably sing in the shower, let's be honest. Um, but anyway, singing is a result of thinking on the right things. It's how we express our worship for God. Don't think of the music in our song service as merely a, a vocal exercise. It should be a reflection of a heart of devotion to God. It's natural for us to declare and talk about things we value most, right? Well, making a melody in your heart to God is a result of setting your mind on truth, setting your mind on what is right. I would say, secondly, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, you will begin to respond to God in the right way. Responding to God in the right way. Let's read verse 20. Paul says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You simply respond by giving thanks. You have much to be thankful for in this Christian life, right? It's very fitting since uh, we're at the end of our Thanksgiving break to take a moment and again to express gratitude to God for all that he's done for us. I know Thanksgiving Day was on Thursday, but have you thanked God since then? Have you thanked God since then? One of the fruits of the Spirit mentioned in Galatians 5, the second one is joy. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy. And one of the products of joy is gratitude, thankfulness. So gratitude should be characteristic of the Christian life. How have you been responding to God? Do you have a grateful heart today? Because that comes as a fruit of the Spirit when you're surrendered to Him. And lastly, I would say, when we surrender to the Holy Spirit, it'll result in treating people the right way. Treating people the right way. Verse 21, Paul says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Paul uses that phrase, in the fear of God. Because if you have a proper respect and a reverence toward God, it'll influence how you treat other people. If you have a proper respect for God, it will influence how you treat other people. Jesus said that there was a man that came up to Jesus in, in uh, Matthew 22, and he said, Master, which is the great commandment in the law? You know what Jesus said? He said, the first and greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is likened to it. Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And he said, on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus was showing to us that these two commandments are inseparable because an authentic love for God will result in authentic love for people. An authentic love for people. You can't separate these two commandments. Love for God is seen in how you treat other people. We looked at tonight the evidence of walking in wisdom. Firstly, we said redeeming the time. Have you been using your time wisely? Or have you been wasting it? Redeeming the time, making the most out of your time. Secondly, understanding God's will. Don't stress and worry over the future, which is uncertain. Set your attention, set your affection on the revealed will of God. It's plainly showed to you in his word. And I believe that as you follow his revealed will in due time, in due season, he will show you those things that you don't know. He will show you his unrevealed will. And I will say lastly, surrender to the Holy Spirit. Who's in control of your life right now? Is it you or is it the Holy Spirit of God? It takes a heart of surrender. I'll leave you with this, church family. How's your walk? Have you been walking in wisdom? 
If not, then I want to challenge you this week to walk closely with God. Learn to walk step in step with the master because if you follow, you earnestly walk with God in step, then you will inevitably be just like him. You'll be just like the master. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty. Tune in next week for more Bible teaching or subscribe on iTunes to stay up to date with our current series.